Chapter Fourteen of Miss Frances Baird, Detective by Reginald Wright Kaufman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Who killed my son? For a while I sat alone, thinking. Surely everything pointed directly to Fredericks as the thief and murderer. And yet, did the result of the blood test allow of the explanation which my fellow detective put upon it? Of course it did. But already there was setting in with me the strong reaction against the deed. I had almost said the betrayal, of which I had been guilty in telling Kemp that this was a capital case. Yes, yes, it did allow of his explanation, and I felt myself definitely wishing that it did not. I got up and started for the stairs, with an idea of going out for the air, when my eye caught the figure of the doctor, who had looked me over after my upsetting by the automobile, passing out of Mr. Deneen's room and heading for that of Mrs. Deneen. Some impulse drew me to the old man's door. I knocked gently. "'Come in,' he called, and I entered. The room was furnished with rigid simplicity. A washstand stood in one corner, a little bureau in another, a shaving-stand was between the two windows, and in a small army bed along the side wall lay Mr. Deneen. He was greatly aged. The lines on his white and shrunken face seemed multiplied. The bristle of hair under the chin accentuated the thinness of the neck, now unprotected by a collar and the prominent roving eyes were hot and bloodshot. Nevertheless the old man, on seeing me, half rose and attempted a courteousness that immediately won my heart. "'Miss Baird,' he began in a pitiably changed and broken voice that seemed a mere whisper beside the memory of his former accents, "'This is kind of you, I'm sure.' I uttered some commonplace reply, smoothed his pillows a bit, and made him a little more comfortable. "'I suppose,' he continued, there is nothing, nothing new to report. Of course I should, both from my sense of professional duty and out of mere regard for his weakened condition, have put him off at best with some hopeful half-truth about the diamonds. But I was not myself that afternoon, and in those early days I couldn't lie worth a penny anyhow. Not a thing, I nevertheless tried to say. My voice must have betrayed me, for the next instant my fingers were caught in an iron grip and nearly screaming with pain, I turned to find his hot face close to mine, and his great burning eyes flaming into my head. "'You don't mean that,' he whispered. His voice was even lower than before, so low, in fact, that even I, close as I was to him, could hardly hear it. Y "'Yes, I do,' I stammered. "'Let go my hand, please, Mr. Deneen. You—you're hurting me dreadfully.' But he only tightened his grip. "'No, I won't let you go,' he whispered. I'll make it worse until you tell me what you've found out. I'm not to be treated like a child. I guess I can stand anything after what I've been through in the last day. Anyhow, I'm paying for you in camp, ain't I? There now, tell me what you know. He had got his other hand at work as he spoke, and punctuated those last words with a dreadful backward bend to my wrist that nearly made me faint. At any other time this sort of thing would only have put me on my mettle, but I was emotionally done up anyhow just then, and I obviously could not strike a sick employer, old and half-mad with grief. "'Very well,' I groaned. "'Let me go, and I'll tell you.' "'You promise?' "'Yes, yes.' And with another twist to show that he meant business, he released me, sank back on the pillows, white and exhausted physically, but mentally alert. "'I, I beg your pardon, miss,' he whispered, the salt tears rushing to his eyes. "'But you must try to think of what I've been through, and excuse me.' I've got to have some news. I don't care a damn, begging your pardon, about the diamonds any more. What I want to know, 
and surely as a father and the man who got you on this job i've got a right to ask is have you found out anything about my boy that caught me but what in heaven's name did he expect why you know i began that something very dreadful happened last night you know oh he whispered but with a querulous note blending with the pathos and caution of his tone that's the sort of thing the doctor has been giving me i'm not a baby i tell you i remember all that of course how in god's name could i ever forget it don't think i'm crazy for i'm not i'm perfectly cool and i can understand why you mightn't want anybody to know for a while what you've found out well not a soul shall know through me only tell me for the love of god miss tell me what you found out about my boy once more i gave way to impulse i leaned over the bed and dropped my voice to the pitch of his own mr denine i whispered when we went to your son's room last night the door was locked and i found the key on the outside he looked at me hard at first i thought him stunned by the truth but then i could not be sure but for the moment i thought i realized something that somehow gave me a chill of sudden horror that the man had heard what he had expected to hear the next moment a strange thing happened mr denine's face changed to my excited eyes it appeared as if the alteration was effected voluntarily as if the will had detected the meaning of my glance and had sought to set a mask over that face which i had perhaps read too easily of a sudden he plainly wanted me to think him surprised but he made a poor attempt though a hard one lord lord he murmured who could ever have done it then who could ever have done it remember i continued thinking it best for the time to disregard his odd manner for perhaps as i had at first feared he was only delirious nobody must know of this they shan't the old man straightened up oh you needn't fear about that miss they shan't not a living soul that draws breath and as for you mark this i want you and he grew suddenly into a splendid simulation of severity i want you to find the man who killed my son End of chapter 14